prior yesterday, but we're doing this every service, and uh, the words will be up on the screen. We're going to ask all of us to stand, all of you to stand tonight, and uh, sing along with us as we open up our service in uh, praise uh, this evening. Let's join our hearts in prayer tonight. Father, it is a joy to be in your house. Thank you for the spirit of fellowship that, Lord, we have with one another, that, Lord, we sense is here tonight. And, Lord, we pray that you would manifest your glory to us and that, Lord, you would be worshipped from people who have prepared themselves tonight to do so in spirit and truth. God, we pray for Brother Andy and lift him up tonight as he brings the word. We pray that, Lord, you would give him an anointing from on high, that he would Preach faithfully, Lord, the word that you would have for us to hear. Lord, hide him behind the cross. And Lord, tonight as we stand here, we declare, Lord, that the devil, our enemy, is a defeated foe. That, Lord, you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. Have your way in every heart tonight, Lord. Every burden, every despair that we have, Lord, may we lay it at your feet tonight and walk away from it, Father. Trusting that, Lord, you will, in your time, uh, do what is necessary in supplying completely uh, what is necessary for our need. We love you, and God, we ask for you to just be glorified tonight in this service. We pray and we need revival. Lord, we ask that you would send it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's greet each other tonight.
take your Baptist hymnal, turn to page 469. We will sing all four verses of Revive Us Again. congregational song and then we have a special from our choir turn to page 571 and we'll do all four verses of let others see jesus in you 
before Brother Andy comes, uh, I noticed uh, Brother Bates and, and Betty, they were here tonight, and we missed y'all yesterday, but I understand that was in celebration, am I right? Uh, do you mind if I share that praise that y'all shared Wednesday? Um, you know, um, sometimes the devil tries to wear us out by seeing how long we'll be committed to something, you know, and kind of in our culture today, we live in a, the instant gratification world, you know, and when we don't, you know, when we don't get it our way right now, we, we lose interest in so many things. And um, Brother Bates and Betty, for, for a long time, years, they had prayed for the salvation of, of their son. And Wednesday night, they shared that he had came to know Christ. And uh, I know we, we missed y'all not being here yesterday, but what a great joy it was to see their son baptized yesterday. And I just want, I say that, uh, to say this, where, wherever we are in our walk with God and whatever God's called us to do, and especially in ministry sometimes, things can get uh, tough and difficult. But stay the course and be faithful and don't give up. Uh, God's still at work even when we don't see him at work sometimes. Uh, uh, I think C.C. Wine has said it best that when we can't see his hand, we trust his heart. And we can always trust the heart of God. He will always be faithful. Uh, we know that. So, uh, And speaking of being committed a long time to things, Brother Andy been in the ministry for a while, been at uh, Mount Olive Baptist Church down in Moultrie, Georgia now for almost 20 years, uh, having a birthday tomorrow, and uh, going to preach tonight with us. We are delighted that you're back, enjoyed yesterday very much, the fellowship, and just the word. Uh, thank you for sharing, and uh, we've been praying for you. And so, Liberty, let's give Brother Andy a nice warm welcome tonight. I appreciate that, and it's good to be back with you. We had our church service last night. We had a, a fourth Sunday night sing at our church last night, and I went back and I bragged on you guys. And uh, they were, you know, our youth pastor preached yesterday morning. They were bragging on him, so I bragged on y'all. I said, hey, and you kind of hurt my feelings bragging on him so much. So I said, y'all aren't the only church that's a good church. And so, uh, but anything, anyway, you know, I, I really prayed about what to preach, and I don't, I don't, um, you know, one time a preacher said, I don't serve warmed up biscuits, and I don't preach the same sermon twice, and so I, in praying about what to preach, I, um, I was led to John chapter 15, and, and uh, just in hearing the comments, and the, the young, the, the man who was saved, um, you've been praying for him for a long time, I'm not sure who you are, who are you? Right back in the back, been praying for your son to be saved for a long time, and I know that, you know, I pray almost every day of my life. Um, almost without exception, I pray that all of my brothers and their kids and my children and my grandchildren would come to know Christ and that they would uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they would fulfill their ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's a blessing to hear. And then, Brother Steve, as you were talking about, just stay in the course. Uh, that's what I'm really preaching tonight is, um, is to abide in Christ. You know, um, I... I uh, I was telling, uh, I think it's Miss Tidwell down here that, uh, you know, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and and uh, I, I don't recommend going going from being a youth pastor being a pastor. It's it's not a it's not safe, okay? Because when you're a youth pastor, you can say things, you can get away with things <laughs> that you can't say as a pastor. You know what I mean? And I almost got fired several times. Uh, Mount Olive tried to run me off for years, and I just wouldn't leave. I just was not going to leave. And the reason I wasn't going to leave because I didn't know they were trying to run me off. Uh, but uh, anyway, our church, the reason they couldn't run me off is because um, God was just moving in our church and people were being saved and, and God was just working. And uh, I'll tell you, um, there was a, uh, I loved this guy, uh, Terrell Ruiz. He was our director of missions and, and he was, you know, he was observing the growth in our church. He was our missions uh, director for Coquit County. And uh, he, stood up, he stood up one time and he said, he said, I tell you what I love about the growth at Mount Olive. It has nothing to do with the personality of the pastor. And I was like, is that an insult or a compliment? I couldn't, I couldn't, didn't, couldn't figure it out. But, you know, I'm not going to be like a football coach at halftime trying to pep you up, okay? Um, because I'll tell you this, I, I think that churches that run on emotion are, are usually not very healthy. And I don't sense that in this church. I don't sense that you are just a church that comes together to get emotionally charged. 
and then uh, you know then you get down in the valley and, and it's just a roller coaster ride. And so, uh, and, and I'll tell you honest truth, God has been good to us at our church, and He has uh, He's moved this year. We've seen uh, many many people come to faith in Christ, and we've seen God work and move in, in miraculous ways, and and uh, we just praise Him for it. And it really does have nothing to do with the personality of the pastor. It is truly God who's working. And there's one thing that I keep telling our, our staff is that um, if we just abide in Christ, if we can just abide in Christ, the Bible says we will bear much fruit. And so um, that's what I'm going to preach tonight is um, John chapter 15. Did I give you the right scripture? I did. All right, John chapter 15, and, uh, and that um, the key, I think, to growth and the key to health in the church is, is not emotionalism, it's, it's not uh, programs necessarily, and I know our church has programs, y'all have programs, but it's just this abiding in Jesus, just staying engrafted um, to the vine, which is uh, Jesus Christ. And so let's just read the scripture. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and I have several points I'm going to make. There should be very quickly, uh, but I just uh, prayed, and I said, God, what would you have me say to the Liberty Baptist Church? And I'm just going to share with you what God shared with me. Uh, chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and die in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them, and they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The first thing I want to tell you that God spoke to me out of this verse is, is this. You are the vine, or you are not the vine, you are only a branch, okay? You are not the vine, you're only a branch, and the Father is the vine dresser. Now, um, the way that I think about branches is this. I, I am a branch individually, but my church is a branch too. Uh, every one of you who tonight is a branch, uh, you are a branch individually, but you're also part of this church, which is the branch. Uh, now, we are grafted into the vine, and the vine, of course, is Christ. Everything that you need, everything that I need, every uh, supply, you know, Jesus said, I will supply all of your uh, needs according to my riches and glory. And so everything we need comes from Christ, okay? He is the one who supplies us. He's the one who gives us the, the nutrients. If you think about a, a, a grapevine, uh, that branch is, is useless if it's detached from the vine because the vine is in the ground and, and all the nutrients, all the water, all the hydration, everything that you need as a branch has to come through the vine. It has to come from Jesus. You have to be grafted into Jesus. In fact, verse 5 tells us, uh, Jesus says, Without me, you can do nothing. And so it doesn't matter uh, how creative I am. It doesn't matter how smart I am. It doesn't matter how well I prepare. If I'm not grafted into Jesus Christ, I am really going to be nothing. You know, you have to ask the question, he talks about bearing fruit here. And, and, and as in the church and in our lives as Christians, what really is fruit? 
I mean, what is the fruit that we're trying to bear? And, and I, I know one of the hymns we sang, the, hymn, the last hymn we sang, uh, Let Others See Jesus in You. And, and one of the fruit that we'd like to see, the fruit that we'd like to see, is other people come to faith in Christ. I mean, that's fruit. Uh, you know, I hope that you've had the privilege of leading somebody to faith in Christ, but uh, we immediately think of that being fruit, that reproducing people like you. Well, I think there's more to it, you know, because Galatians tells us that there is fruit of the Spirit, all right? So to be grafted into Jesus means that you will bear fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. If you are a Christian, there ought to be some characteristics in your life of love. The way that you treat your husband, the way that you treat your wife, the way that you treat your children, the way that you interact with people at work ought to be characterized by love. All right? Now, I know that we're not sinless, and we're not always going to act loving, and, and um, uh, you know, I'm not always loving loving husband. You know, I, I, I'll just be honest with you all. My wife and I do not have the perfect marriage. Okay? All right? I mean, just the other day, uh, I, I, she's not been well. She's had a very bad cold. And so I said, uh, I said, hey, if you'll just send me a list, I'll go by the grocery store and I'll just get whatever you need. And uh, she said, I don't want to send a list. And I thought, well, you know, you typed plenty in that iPad there. I don't know what's wrong with your fingers, you know. You could. But I didn't say it, okay? I didn't say it, okay? <laughs> Until later, <laughs> okay? So... So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, so, I, I, so I go to the store, and, and she, she tells me a few things she needs, and so I, I'm trying to hear, and I can't hardly hear anyway, but I, I was listening, and so I went to the store, and I, I got all this stuff, and I brought it in, I unloaded it, laid it on the counter, and, and she says, did you get something good to drink? I was like, well, no. She, she said, well, I said to get some Gatorade. I said, well, I don't understand, mumble. <laughs> Bad mistake. Bad mistake. And uh, so after, after a few words, we sort of smoothed things over. My wife and I have a very good relationship. But I'm not the perfect husband. I don't always act loving. But, but if you look at our marriage overall, our marriage is characterized by love, right? And so I don't want to just say, try to hang uh, things over you that, uh, to, to make you feel guilty. Uh, but, but our lives should be characterized by love. Our, our lives ought to be characterized by joy. Our lives should be characterized by peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because that is the fruit of the Spirit. And some people say, well, I don't have all the fruits of the Spirit. Listen, it don't say fruits of the Spirit. It says fruit of the Spirit, which means every one of those characteristics ought to be in our life. If you say, well, I'm just an impatient person. Well, you need to get right with Jesus if you're impatient because that's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, another thing we can say about fruit is this. There is also fruit in the Christian life that is produced by spiritual gifts. Uh, you know that when you got saved, that you were sealed by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 says that you were sealed by the Spirit. And then the book of uh, 1 Corinthians tells us that one of the characteristics or one of the, the jobs of the Holy Spirit when He comes into your life is to give you a spiritual gift. And I talked about that a little bit yesterday. But uh, the fruit of spiritual gifts is also the fruit of the Christian life. Uh, for instance, some of you have... Uh, uh, the gift of, of teaching, okay? You can teach. You can sit down with children or adults or, or somebody and you can teach and you can explain to them. And maybe you've been teaching for years and maybe you've never actually seen a child come to faith in Christ, but you've been teaching and teaching. And it may be years later before they actually make a profession of faith. But you're using that spiritual gift of teaching to plant the seeds of the gospel in that child. And so that's fruit. Uh, some of you don't have the gift of teaching. Some of you have the gift of serving. About the best thing you can do at Vacation Bible School is pour Kool-Aid. Okay? And that's a blessing. Okay? 
Uh, we have a guy in our church. We, we were at Expo last week. Last week, I told you about our rope tying machine. We have a guy in our church who retired from, this, uh, from the phone company. He has uh, stuff laying around. His, his, he's got all kind of scrap stuff. And so he decided that he would build a rope machine. And uh, he put this thing together, and it works beautifully. I mean, he had this, this skill. You know, you read in the Old Testament, you read about people like Bezalel and Aholiab who, who crafted the temple of God, and, and they had the skill, this spiritual gift. And, and there are other spiritual gifts. There's a gift of administration. Some of you are organized. There's a gift of intercessory prayer. There's a gift of uh, preaching. There's a gift of pastoring. There's a gift of evangelism. Some of you have that ability to share the gospel in such a way that people will receive Christ as their Savior. And anytime we use those gifts and we see results, that's fruit. It says in verse 2 that some branches do not bear fruit. It says that they are taken away you know, I think what happens in the church often, and I've seen it happen in our church, and I'm sure it's probably happened here, is there are people, they come forward, they get baptized, but they never produce any fruit in their life. They don't, care, they don't have the characteristics of, of the fruit of the Spirit, and they don't use any of their spiritual gifts. And, and friends, I'll tell you this, I would be very, I'd be very concerned if, I, if you sit in the church and you, you hear the preaching and you come and you soak everything up, but you never serve. Uh, God's called you to serve. And uh, if you never serve, and even though you came down the aisle and even though you've been baptized and, and you never l- raise a hand or do anything or give or serve, are you truly a branch? Have you truly been grafted in to the vine? Do you truly know Jesus Christ? You've made an outward profession of faith, but there's been no inward change. There has been a profession, but there's no possession. And so there are some branches that don't bear fruit, and it says that they will be, they will be cast out. Verse 2 also tells us that there are some branches that do bear fruit. And it says about these branches that the branches that do bear fruit are pruned. You know, every Christian has to be pruned. Not only does every Christian have to be pruned, pruned, but every church has to be pruned. Uh, People are pruned, and churches are are pruned. Sometimes in our lives, personally, uh, we have to have some pruning. Um, To be pruned is to cut off what's no longer bearing fruit. Now, I don't know about you, this year we had some cold weather in Coffin County. And I had this beautiful fig tree. I mean, it was beautiful, produced figs. I have a friend who likes fig preserves, and so I make fig preserves from this fig tree. And, and uh, we had this cold weather come in, and, and I went out there in the spring, and I noticed that some of those branches are not, are not getting green. In fact, they're dead. And so what I had to do with that tree is I had to just do a severe pruning because the cold had just killed this, practically killed this tree. Now it's coming back, but pruning is cutting out that disease part. And we have to be pruned. As Christians, we must experience pruning. Uh, Sometimes uh, God has to prune us because we've got sin in our lives. Uh, God's not going to use me as a pastor if I'm walking continuously in sin. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sinless, but I try to live a blameless life. You know, there's a difference between being sinless and being blameless. Uh, I don't think that I'm going to ever achieve sinless perfection. Now, I wish that I could, but I don't think I'm going to ever achieve it. Not on this side of heaven, anyway. I try to walk with the Lord, and I, I try to do what's right, but you know, some days, like, my wife just says that thing. It just sets me off, and I say, hey, I don't understand, mumble. And I do things like that. Uh, but sometimes the Lord has to, to cut that sin out of our lives. Sin is going to prevent you from being a fruitful Christian. Sometimes the Lord has to cut off the unproductive part. Sometimes there might be things in our lives. That it's not necessarily sin, 
but it's just not productive. Sometimes there are friendships in our lives that create a lack of productivity in our lives. And those friendships are not good for us. Sometimes there are activities that we do. They're not necessarily sinful, but they just create a, a lack of productivity in our lives. Uh, there may be habits that we have. They're not necessarily sin, but you're just not producing anything with those habits. And God has to prune those things out of our lives. I mean, think about just the things that we do. And, I, and I'm not against... Um, you know, I'm not against social media, but some people spend four or five hours on Facebook every day. I'm telling you, brother or sister, if you're doing that, you're just, that's just zapping you and the productivity in your life. God has to prune certain things out of our lives. And the same thing is true for the church. You know, I said the individual is a branch, but the church is a branch too. And, and the same thing is true for the church. There are some things that we hold on to for tradition's sake that are bearing no fruit. And I went to Mount Olive. I, I knew that it was going to be a challenge. The pastor before me had been there for 32 years, and I had determined uh, that I was not going to go in there and make a bunch of changes because I knew they'd run me off. They, they, they tried, but they just couldn't. But one of the things that they did, and, and I hope y'all don't do this. You might. But when a new person joined the church, uh, they would have the new person stand down front and then every single person would file by. Y'all do that here? Oh, good, 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 good. See, but we had, no, 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 trap people, what we did. We trapped people and, and we made every single person, it didn't matter if they were a pagan or a non-member or a member or a person in a wheelchair, we made every single person come down and shake their hands. And to me, I thought, that's just weird, you know? I thought, that's just strange. I said, we are captivating, we are trapping people. And I said, we're not doing that anymore. Well, they almost ran me off for that. I mean, they honestly did. But there are, but there are things, there are traditions that we do that, you know, people walk in and say, why do they do that? And there are things that we might need to not do anymore because they're not bearing fruit. We continue to do those things. A few years ago, we, were, we had an activity, fall festival, you know, trunk or treat, call it what you want to, and we did that. We had people come out, and, and hundreds of people would come and go through there, and, and a lot of churches do that. Y'all might do that, might have some kind of activity. But I just looked at it and thought, you know, we're spending thousands of dollars on this, and we're not seeing any fruit from it. And so we quit it. You know, our church has a history room. As much as I've tried to get rid of it, we, we have a history room. I always say this, that and I, I may be stepping on toes here, uh, but, but a, a nostalgic church is a dying church. Okay? A nostalgic church, if, if we're always looking back and not looking forward, we're probably not being very productive. Another thing that the Lord impressed upon my heart with these verses is this, that it is not up to you to bear all the fruit, just some of it. Okay, you ought to be bearing some fruit. Now, we ought to definitely have the fruit of the Spirit, but when it comes to spiritual gifts and using our spiritual gifts, there ought to be some fruit that's coming from your life. There ought to be something that's changing, something that's growing, something that's happening because you're using your spiritual gifts. Now, uh, I think there's a, two mistakes some of us make. Okay, one is this, and I'm like this. Uh, when things don't go well, I try to take on all that responsibility. You know, if I didn't, if I'd have done this better, if I'd have done that better, if I'd have worked harder, if I'd have planned better, if I'd have prayed more, if I'd have done this better, and and uh, you know, we have to understand that fruit does not always come. You know, a farmer doesn't go out there. You know, they're plowing peanuts today, or not plowing, they're picking peanuts today, and, you know, the farmer didn't go out there and plant that peanut in the ground and, and sit there and watch it and wait on it. I mean, if the farmer plants it in the, in the ground, he, he walks away, and he's there, and it has to germinate and has to grow, and he doesn't expect to harvest right away. You know, sometimes we plant seeds, and our lives are, we're planting those seeds, and 
and we're not seeing immediate results, and we think, well, God must not be using me. I must not be effective. I must not be accomplishing anything. But you know what? Sometimes it just takes time. I was in a store one day, and, and uh, this guy came up to me. He said, he said uh, I just want to tell you, thank you, how much I appreciate you. I said, who are you? Okay. I didn't recognize. He was gray-headed. He said, well, he said, he said, you don't know who I am, but when I was in the seventh grade, you gave me a Bible. See, there was a group of kids that were coming to the church. They were skateboarders. And I went to the deacons. I said, we need to get some skateboard ramps out there for those kids. They said, oh, that's a liability. We can't do that. But I did what I could. I gave them Bibles, and I tried to minister to those kids. And, and I remember thinking, after they all left, what a waste. That was just a waste of my time, a waste of money. Well, this kid comes up to me. It's Christmas time. We're shopping downtown, Moultrie, and he says, I just want to thank you for, for that Bible because it really changed my life. He said he had been a drug dealer in high school. And uh, he, he was involved in some pretty rough stuff, and his partner in his dealing was murdered. And he was going to be next, he told me. He said, so I joined the Navy. I got out of town. I, got, I had to get away. He said, but I'll never forget that you gave me that Bible. And I didn't read it right away, but I eventually picked that Bible up and I started reading it. He came to me a few months later and said, hey, I'd like to get married. I want you to meet the girl I want to marry. And I started counseling with him. And, and he still hadn't really changed his life. You know, he was still, he was getting better, but he hadn't. And I, I said, well, let me ask you one question. Are y'all living together? Because I had a feeling they were. They said, well, yeah. I mean, her home situation is so bad. I said, well, I'm not doing your wedding if you're living together. I said, if you'll move back in with your dad and y'all stay separate, you know, for the next few months before you get married, I'll, I'll counsel you and I'll do your wedding. And so I ended up counseling them. She, they came back to me. I thought for sure they are going to say, no way. You just, we'll go to the justice of the peace or whatever. They came back and, and uh, they, said, they said, yeah, we decided to, to separate and, and do it right. They started coming to church and started becoming faithful. And then something happened and somebody offended them in our church. I'm not sure who it was, but they went to another church. But it was fine because he went to that other church and he became, became very involved in the church. He became a disciple. And now he's the, the leader of the Celebrate Recovery program in the church. It took a long time for that fruit to bear. So don't get discouraged because it just takes time. Don't, take this, don't get this idea that if you don't see things happen right away, that it's your fault. And another thing we make, uh, a mistake we make, is, is that we, make the, we, we have this idea that not only when things go poorly, it's our fault, but then when things go well, we want to take credit for it, right? We want to pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, what a great person I am. You got to remember this, you know, it says that Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And God's the one who bears the fruit. Another thing that the Lord spoke to me in this passage of Scripture is this, is that the baseline for ministry in the church is salvation in Jesus Christ. You know, none of this makes any sense if you're not saved. And I know this is a revival. Church is supposed to be revived. It's, it's not... It's not necessary to win lost people. We hope lost people will come to faith in Christ. If you're lost tonight, I hope you'll come and become a, a true branch and grafted into Christ. But, but we need to, to know that if you're going to bear fruit, you first of all have to be grafted into the vine. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a couple of mistakes I've made in ministry, and one of those mistakes is sometimes we let lost people lead in ministry. That's not smart. It's not that we don't let lost people get involved. We just can't let them lead. And the second mistake that we've made in ministry is often we will put novices in places of leadership. A new Christian does not necessarily need to be in a place of leadership. If you read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, the qualifications of a deacon, it says a deacon should not be a novice. 
a man who's just come to faith in Christ does not need to be a deacon. A few years ago, we hired a girl. She'd come to faith in Christ. I had had the chance to lead her and her husband to Christ on Monday night visitation, and they both came to the Lord, and, and uh, we needed a children's minister. And so I thought, well, you know, she's, she, and this was several months, you know, but we thought, well, she'll be great. You know, she's young. She's energetic. She's got a lot of, she's got kids, and, and we hired her. And she's a Christian. But I'm telling you, it was a total disaster because she wasn't ready. And it was as much our fault, it was more our fault than it was her fault, really. So we need to be careful to remember that the baseline for ministry in the church is salvation in Jesus Christ. And I'll say this too. It says that salvation comes by the preaching of the Word. Last night we had a music service at our church and we had a variety of people singing and, and leading. And so I got up afterwards and I gave a little short, you know, gospel message. But it really wasn't preaching. And some of y'all might be thinking, well, this ain't preaching either, but <laughs> that's okay. It really wasn't preaching. But I almost never give an invitation after a music service because... Not, not that there's not a message in music, but the gospel needs to be preached clearly. Uh, and so people need to hear the preaching of the gospel. Fruit comes from abiding in Christ. You know that there is an ebb and a flow to everything in the world. Um, we don't produce abundant fruit all the time. And when I say there's an ebb and a flow to everything in this world, you go to the ocean, what does the ocean do? It comes in, it goes out. Things get better, things get worse in life. Sometimes life is good, sometimes life is challenging. Sometimes marriage is good, sometimes marriage is challenging. Sometimes parenting is easy, sometimes parenting is very difficult. Sometimes your finances are good, sometimes they're not so good. Sometimes the church is doing well and sometimes not doing well. You know, it's the worst thing in the world for us pastors is to look across town and, and see God moving and working and, and to have this attitude of jealousy. It's, it's not right to do that. But we need to remember this. Is sometimes God's going to move over there and he's not going to be necessarily moving here. Sometimes there's going to be harvest over there, but there's not going to be harvest over here. But the, the idea and the, 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 the key to this verse is that we abide in Christ, abiding means that we stay grafted in even during those ebbs of life when things don't seem to be going very well. We don't walk necessarily in sinless perfection, but our lives ought to be characterized by blameless living. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10 through 10 talks about walking in the light, not in the darkness. The word walk means how do you conduct your life? How is your life generally conducted? You know, I look at the Bible and I see men who didn't necessarily do well all the time. I mean, we look at David. David did not do well all the time. David really blew it at times in his life. And yet the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. You think about Moses, how Moses didn't finish well. Lot didn't finish well. Noah didn't finish well. Gideon didn't finish well. They messed up. And, and sadly for them, it's sort of toward the end of their life. But when you look at the full body or the full scope of their lives, these men lived for God. And so to walk in Christ means that, that you don't, it's not that you don't ever make a mistake but it's the general character, the general direction of your life that's going in the right direction. You're walking with Christ. You're walking in the light. Verse 5 tells us that without abiding in Christ, we can do nothing. You know that we can be physically prepared all we want to, but abiding is essential. You can pray, and we do pray, and, and we should pray. But we also should abide. It is essential. Some churches believe that we can have a great church if we promote, promote, promote. 
and we can promote. But we must abide. Abiding is essential. Some churches think that it's about spending money. And we have budgets, we have money, we should be good stewards. We can spend all the money we want to, but we must abide in Christ. Sometimes we get worried, we get fretful, we get fearful. We must abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ, it says we will bear much fruit. Verse 6 tells us that if we never, if we don't abide in Christ, that we will be cast out. If you never bear fruit, that is to be cast out. Some people have made outward professions of faith, but they bear no fruit, and they're not a true branch. The Bible says, and very graphically in verse 6, that they will be cast out. Verse 7 says that abiding in Christ must be coupled with prayer. There's an unlimited nature in prayer. You know, the Bible says that ask and you shall receive. You know, the Bible says that if a, if a man wants his prayers to be heard, his prayers to be answered, he must abide in Christ. It says the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man has great effect. But not only prayer, but it says here that it must be coupled with the Word. We abide in His Word. His words abide in us. And when you abide in Christ and His words abide in you, you can ask and you can expect God to move mightily. And the Bible says it shall be done for you. You know, I... I really believe that uh, the church is, you know, yesterday I was looking at, I was, I was looking out of the congregation. I know tonight's a school night. It's a little different. We are, um, you know, we're, we're people that are very busy. But yesterday I looked out at your congregation and I'm like, this place is full. And I hope it's like that every Sunday. And it, I hope, it, I pray that it is because it's amazing. You know, they they tell us in, in education, I was an education minister for a long time, and they said that if you're 80% full in the church, you're full. That it's time to do something to grow. And I don't know what your plans are. I, I, I studied ed, education for a long time, and, and uh, one of the things that, that we discovered is, uh, I, I read this book one time, it was, it was by a guy named Ken Hemphill, and it was called The Bonsai Theory of Church Growth. And, and uh, he said that, um, in that in that book, he was describing how they grow bonsai trees. And a bonsai tree is not a small tree because you trim the top of the tree. A bonsai tree stays small because you trim the root system of the tree. And so you trim the roots and you put it in a, in a pot, and, the, and the, the tree stays small in its own place. And Ken Hemphill was saying that uh, one of the problems in churches is that we stay in a small pot. And when we're, and you know, they tell us if you're 80% full, people aren't going to squeeze in here and, and sit, you know, I would say cheek to cheek. They're not going to sit that close together, okay? And so, so my challenge to you is, is the church. If you are abiding in Christ, the, the Bible says that you're going to bear much fruit. And I would challenge you uh, to be open to what God wants to do here. Um, you know, when I went to Mount Olive, we started growing, and, and we noticed um, immediately people were parking in, in, the, in the pasture. We have a pasture right behind our church, and so I had bumper stickers made up, and I, I begged people. I said, if, if you'll park in the pasture, I'll give you a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker said, I'll park in the pasture. You know? <laughs> And so we got some people to, and, and for years, I'd see those stickers, and I thought, I'm not sure that was a good idea. But, but Ken Hemphill in his book, he said there are three things that will keep a church from growing. One is if you don't have enough parking. Two, if you don't have good preschool space for your children. You've got a lot of kids here. And the third thing said, he said, if you don't have enough, and excuse me, I don't mean to be insensitive, but if you don't have enough potties, okay? 
if you don't have enough preschool space or if you don't have enough parking, if you don't have and you don't have enough potties, especially for the ladies, that your church won't grow. And so what do we do? The church, when I first got there, said, hey, let's build a choir room. And I thought, no way. No way. We need a choir room. I love the choir, but we just didn't need a choir room because our preschool space was so terrible. I mean, it, it had carpet in bathrooms, okay? Terrible, terrible, terrible. And so the first thing I said to the church, I said, I said, we need to have, and it, it was insecure. It was terrible. I said, we need to have a children's space. And so we built a building. We built parking. We had a lot of potties in there, and we had a good, secure area for our preschoolers. And the church just blossomed. You know, and it's not me. I promise you, it's not, uh, it's not anything, you know, it's not my leadership. It's just God and just being sensitive to Him and abiding in Christ. You know, I, um, we, have, we have a good staff at our church, and, and, um, and I challenge them all the time. You know, I, I want them to be prepared. I want, I want them to be prayed up. I want them to go to conferences and learn and try to, try to, you know, take kids to camp and do all that. I want to have good everything, programs and all that. But my one thing in my life and in the life of our staff, the life of our deacons is this. Are we abiding in Christ? What's my personal relationship with Jesus like? The beginning of this year, I challenged them. I said, how many people do you think we could see come to faith in Christ this year? And we just threw out a number. And this summer Sunday, we're going to be baptizing, and we're going to over-exceed over our goal in baptism. And it's not, it's, it's not that we're great people. It's just I think we're people that are just really average who are abiding in Christ. You know, the last thing this whole sermon is this last point, and I'm done. The grand purpose in all we do is that God is glorified. That's why we do what we do. Verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You know, I don't want to do what I do to build a great church. I don't want to do what I do to be recognized. I hope we never do what we do so we can feel good about ourselves. I hope we never do what we do so people will imitate us. It is for the glory of God. You know, uh, giving God the glory, uh, giving Him glory is, is what He deserves. You know, um, to glorify God is to act in a way toward God that He merits because of who He is. I know this is a silly little way to say this, but... I learned a little Spanish a few years ago, and, and there are two different ways you say, how are you, in Spanish. There's probably a lot of different ways, but there are two ways. You can coma esta tu, or you can say, coma esta usted. If you're talking to somebody that is on your same level, you say, coma esta tu. Or if you're talking to a child, you can say, coma esta tu. Or you can just say, coma esta. But if you're talking to an older person, a person who deserves the dignity and the respect uh, because of their age or their position, you always say, coma esta usted, out of respect. And so, as you, the Liberty Baptist Church, continue on, you got a few more nights revival, and I'll be praying for you, but uh, I'll try to keep up with Pastor Steve. Scott Hall Works in our, is in our church. They work together, and so I'll be keeping up. And I just hope and pray that I see great things out of this church because this is a sweet fellowship. And, and guys, I'll challenge you this. If you'll just abide in Christ, there's just no limit to what God's going to do here in this church. I mean, it, you've got everything you need right here. You know, the Bible says you're the Christ. There's not anything out this side of this church that you need except lost people for this to be a great church. And it is a great church, but I'm saying that God... You know, Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We've always got to be wary of, of the enemy trying to attack us. 
Uh, but God's got great things, I think, planned for this church. But it hinges on abiding in Christ, being people of prayer, being in the Word. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you, and Lord, I pray that, um, God, you have been honored and glorified, Lord, and I just pray for Liberty Baptist Church, Lord. I pray that, God, you would use Pastor Steve to continue to preach the gospel, and God, that you would use him tremendously, Lord, to, to lead people to Christ, but Lord, he can't do it by himself. God, he needs the prayer support of this church. He needs the uh, people helping him and serving and using their spiritual gifts, and he needs people getting in behind him, Lord. And, and God, he's not a perfect man, but he's a good man, Lord. And I just pray that you'd use him. I pray that this church would just blossom and grow and continue, God, just doing what's happening here. God, I pray that they would um, know, God, that you have all the resources that they need. God, I pray that the ultimate end goal would be that you are glorified in everything that happens in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.